right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast, we're Alan. And much like Roger Goodell, I'm sinking into my living room couch ever so gently, speaking in soft, very sleepy tones uh, as we wrap up after midnight, uh, day two of the draft and a, an eventful one uh, for the Bengals uh, as the draft sort of began for them. Um, they take wide receiver from Clemen, Clemson T Higgins at number 33 and linebacker from Wyoming Logan Wilson at number 65. No trades, no come up, no come back. Very chalky. Um, the positions we assumed it would be the positions of need, uh, and uh, that's how it went today. First impressions from you, Jay? Yeah, I was. I, I thought they might go with a linebacker at, at thirty three, and really Bond would have been the only choice. But you, you look at what happened. Only only one other true linebacker went in the second round. So they they got the the wide receiver they wanted and really didn't miss out on any linebackers because that that one true linebacker I'm not counting Uche because he's an edge uh the only linebacker that went in the second round was was Willie Gay and his his character problems probably didn't have him in the mix for the Bengals anyhow so it it, it really I, I think Zach mentioned this on the Zoom call, if I remember. It could not have gone better for them in that regard. They got their number one wide receiver choice and their number one linebacker choice coming into the day. Yeah. they When we plotted this draft out, it, you know, it seemed like when you knew the positions they would value most and what they felt they needed most, it was going to be – it was going to be Burrow and then some combination of receiver and linebacker with a potential sprinkling in of an offensive lineman. And they can talk all they want to about best player available. We, we, we know so much of how they operate. Um, and they, you know, they do push those guys up their boards and, you know, we, the big decision early in the day was, will they a trade back? Will they be, try to go after this offensive line with uh, a couple of tackles that were available. Uh, Josh Jones, the name on everybody's lips throughout the day. They ended up having two opportunities to take Josh Jones because the yeah. entire league, the entire league passed on him in round two. Um, so those that were pounding the table uh, for, for the offensive tackle, it, you know, I think he's obviously a very good athlete, but um, clearly the the evaluators don't view him uh, as anything but a very raw prospect at this point to to a pass of that. You know, they had a couple of deals they were trying to see if they could make work, and it, it, it never quite did, I think, for what they thought they would lose in, in moving down, and that was losing out on, on Higgins, who they had above Mims, who uh, clearly the league had <laughs> a similar view of as Mims ends up sliding way down too. guys that we thought maybe would be the premier were a little bit of a uh, big draft overhype, um, at least in how they were ended up being viewed by the league. And instead we see the Bengals take Higgins and initial reactions on that is, the fa- 
the the fact that this dude has not only been a was a legit Bengals fan, like taking heat for it for a number of years. Massive AJ Green fan. That's why he became a Bengals fan and has been since AJ Green got here because he loves the way he plays, models his game after him, all that stuff to be the guy to come in and potentially take AJ Green's job <laughs> is fairly um what a what a wild juxtaposition that is. I, I don't know if how big of a I mean he he talked about obviously I believe him that he was a huge AJ Green fan. I'm not sure how big of an actual Bengals fan he was because I don't know if you saw the uh the Bengals put out the video of of Zach Taylor calling him um with you know Zach's family standing around and Zach ends the call with who day and it just totally stumped T Higgins. He did not know. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach's like, "Don't worry, you'll learn how to say it." So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a uh, more of a Cincinnati thing, and people that go to the game, maybe remote fans aren't quite up to speed with the Who Day thing. But it is really interesting that that he's a guy. I mean, I, I love the the tweet where uh, some I don't know what he was doing, but in May of 2016, T Higgins just tweeted out, "I will meet AJ Green one day," and it's not like he was watching him play because it was May. So I don't know what made him think that or want to tweet that out but that that was really interesting to see that that tweet pulled out four years later yeah there's no doubt and and there's a lot of what does this mean and, and what do you you know this was a really challenging year to to maneuver the wide receiver pool it was so deep there were so many different types of players i i asked zach taylor about that uh, in, in the Higgins press conference, and 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 he was sort of like, yeah, th- this this was one of the hardest years for going through the receivers in in a, in a few years because of the you didn't know how other teams would view them because there were so many and they all had their own different pluses and minuses and warts, and you know if you're talking about Denzel Mims, I think you know, a lot of what he was on tape didn't match up with how well he was at, he did at the combine and in some of the practice stuff. And I think that there was concern in that, in that not translating as much and is why it pushed him down. I think he still ends up going into the second round, but very late in the second round. Higgins is a big time gamer, man. Like it, he's, there are AJ green tendencies to his game. He is explosive and going and getting the ball deep. Um, there's concerns about his his suddenness and his ability to get enough separation, um, but you know, finding a way to make the play and having an insane catch radius, basketball background, all that stuff. You hope fast enough. Um, it makes him a vertical threat, which they so much need. And you know, you you now you look at it. And you're adding AJ Green, T. Higgins, Jonah Williams, and Joe Burrow to an to your offense last year. You're hardly going to recognize that offense. I mean, that's four of your most important positions uh, are going to have new players in them and players with significant pedigrees. Three number three first round picks and a number thirty three. Uh, so uh, that. That is um there there's a lot happening there and the and the going down the list when you end up well Tyler Boyd now is is you know a slot guy he's your two slash three John Ross's can be more of a gadget role Auden Tate can be more of a sub package role the ripple effect of that too 
I think um, it, it, it does change the dynamic for sure of their offense for a guy to come in and grow with Joe Burrow with all those weapons. Yeah, I mean, what more could Joe Burrow ask for to, to oh, come I'm in? in. And, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, he, he's getting one in Jonah. Um, and I don't know. I, I, do you, I guess we'll get into this later where they go at four, but I, I don't know if if they even if they haven't taken one at this point when do they take one are, are they just gonna throw one in at the end of the draft it, it, they're they're looking at fred johnson they're looking at to you know battle bobby hart at right tackle it, you figure if you bring somebody in at this point are they realistically gonna compete at, for that right tackle job it it just it seems you you've talked about you've harped on this about them ignoring the offensive line and and you can't really argue with it with with the, with the picks they got today but it is it is a little curious that that they continue to I, I can't say you can't say ignore it because they used a first round pick on Jonah Williams last year but there there's a definite need for upgrade there and we're through two days of the draft and it hasn't been touched. No, it, this t- today was and was everything was them backing up their words. This is what they've been telling us, you know. And it, we're not making this stuff up. When you when you hear us talking about what they're telling us, or you hear the the interviews that we play for you on on the podcast, or what we write about, we're we're, we're telling you they're, they they are saying. They feel like the offensive line is headed in the right direction. They feel like the offensive line is headed in the right direction, and they proved it today. You know, um, I, I just I'm a big fan of the old, uh, you know, don't don't tell me about your campaign promises. Show me your budget. The, mm-hmm. the draft the draft is show me your budget time, and the Bengals showed their hand, and it is, hey, we think Fred Johnson could be a guy. And, and and it's we believe Michael Jordan will take a step. You know, I had that in the offensive line draft strategy. The the quote quote from Brian Callahan from the combine. It was we expect those guys to take a step in year two, and they have to. They have no choice. Right. That is the decision organizationally they have made. Is they think these guys have upside, and they're about to come into their own, and they're betting on it in a big way. They're betting Joe Burrow's back on it. You can't fix everything in one offseason. Um, but, you know, they clearly prioritize other things beyond the offensive line because they could have addressed it in a few different spots, uh, and, and and they didn't. And, and partially that's the way the board fell, and partially it's because, it, you know, it, it's they don't view it as as something they don't have feel like they have answers to. Yeah, I think we're still kind of getting used to the new reality where they 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 are they do what they say. There's there's not smoke screens, there's not talking around stuff that you know Marvin was so buttoned up with this kind of stuff and and the, the Bengals have been out there this this whole process saying it's Joe Burrow. We're not trading the pick. Um every everything they they have said has pretty much come to fruition and we'll see. Uh I <laughs> It, it's it's interesting that that the offensive line they they are they're counting on guys to take a step and then they're 
and you get that because they they saw them in action all last year. So they they have a good feel for what they could be, but they're also counting on a guy in Suafila that they brought in from the Dallas that they didn't see. They watched film on him and, and but they're they're signing a guy that they don't really have a relationship with. So there's there's a lot of uh, finger crossing and, and hoping going on coming into the season. There's no doubt. Um, you know, and if you know, you look at the way things fell at the end of the first, uh, you know, Isaiah Wilson comes off right before them. If he's there in play, how different is this? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, do do they still take T. Higgins? I don't know. I I tend to believe that that would have been a much closer decision. You know, you so if you're saying, well, okay, don't take Higgins. Are they? We we profiled uh, Robert Hunt from Louisiana as as a target. He comes off not too long after into going to Miami. Do that? Do you go there with with a guy to come in and be a guard of the future tackle over over adding T Higgins? And obviously they. You know, they they saw him as better, you know, not if they would have traded back, maybe that's where they end up landing. And we say, oh, well, now they're prioritizing the offensive line. Well, partially and partially the board falls that way if, if you move back. But if you end up not finding the deals that you want, and there weren't as many deals up at the top of the, the round as I thought we thought there would be. Um, and we thought there might be more. And it just the bottom line is it was there was a lot of meat on the bone there in the middle from the beginning of that second round to the middle late there were a lot of good players there and so the idea of moving back someone's got to want to come up yeah. and someone's not going to pay uh the price you probably want to come up when they know they can just sit there and get somebody pretty good um and I think the Bengals feel that way is how it worked out for them with with number sixty five, with with Wilson. Now the question is: Do they move back t- tomorrow, or is it? It is today. Now we are past midnight. But yes, would, would the the first pick of the fourth is it is it worth moving back? Because what are you talking about then? Uh, you know, move back five, ten spots in the fourth round. What's that get you a, a sixth? Uh, is is that worth it? Um, I don't know. There's, there are guys, I don't know if you want to get into it yet, but there are guys um, available that, that I think are really interesting. I, I have said all along, I think this, this felt like a draft where they go, they get two linebackers and it, there's a real, I think there's a good chance that it's, they double up and follow up Logan Wilson with with a guy to kick off day three on Saturday because Troy Dye, who we've both talked about them uh, possibly taking, um, you had him in one of your mocks. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but I had him in the in the uh, linebacker series uh, as the pick in the fourth round. And then the, the guy we both had in the tandem mock, Davis Geither, is still out there as well. Um, so it, it, it just feels like, that that could be ripe there for for the the back to back linebacker pick. Yeah, they're yeah. I mean they they have done that before. Lord knows. Speaking of things they've done before, Jay, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's almost impossible at this point to follow a trend that it, for this long that has gone this poorly. But yet here we are again. 
five of the last six years now, the yeah. third round linebacker strategy shows up. It's just, it's the epitome of this limbo of we suck at this position, but we refuse to invest in it. So we like half-ass invest every single year and watch it blow up in our face. Like that's that's what the Bengals are playing right now and have been for a decade. Five yeah, with the, the offensive line, years. With the offensive line, we we talk about hope is not a plan at linebacker. The law of average is 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 not a plan. Yeah. You, you can't just figure. <laughs> well, we're going to get it right one of these times. I mean, look the at, third round is not a plan. <laughs> Think about it. What if you were put a like a, a one to a five star on those previous ones? I mean, Malik Jefferson and Paul Dawson are ones. What's Nick Vigil? Maybe a three, and then it's it's probably too early to grade Jermaine Pratt at this point. It's just it's been miss after miss after miss, and it it, it almost it almost feels unfair to Logan Wilson to to lump him in there because he hasn't had a chance to prove anything yet. It does it it doesn't feel like a reach vigil f- felt like a reach Dawson felt like a reach um Logan Wilson doesn't doesn't quite feel like a reach but if he does end up in the same boat as those guys it's it's it they're gonna have egg on their face it's it's gonna look really bad to keep following that definition of insanity of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result I mean yeah it's a little different in that when you're selecting at 65, you're you're getting somebody that you probably had a you know a two C value on, maybe even higher than that. You know, Taylor sort of said we were the defensive staff was sitting there that whole round with holding their breath because he was at the top of their board, sitting there their entire board um, for a long time, and and then you know you get. Uh, who came up? Who traded up right in front of him and took Willie Gay? I forget now. It's late. Um, it's so late. I for, it doesn't matter. So somebody trade. <laughs> it's just so late. It was a Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. Come up and 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 take Willie Gay, and you're like, you thought, well, they you had to have been they had to have been sweating bullets there, you know, thinking that that was they were going to lose their linebacker, and and they get him in. And so in that respect, I do think it's a little different. Um. Because you're you're getting somebody at a higher value there. He has certainly has fans. He he certainly fits what they need most right now, and that is somebody with you know his strength being in coverage. His strength he's very incredibly productive in coverage for Wyoming. Last year he had 11 pass breakups and four picks. He had 10 picks in his career. He's a three time captain. Those things check a lot of boxes for this Zach Taylor crew. Um, they got to know him, felt like they got to know him fairly well, th- even though he was on the North team at the, the Senior Bowl and all this stuff. You know, there's a lot of reasons to think that it could be different, and, and it certainly can be. And there's no reason to say that like linebackers that are drafted in the third round everywhere fail all the time. No, that just happens here. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so I don't, you know, I, I, it's just so odd how it has continued to to bust up every now and again. Maybe they finally did hit it. Maybe Pratt comes into his own and Wilson turns out to be a good pick and they finally figure it out going into the future. But they get a guy who can do coverage stuff and Bynes can take care of the rest for now. And you hope he does develop into a three down linebacker. They think he can be. Um, and, and you fill the position a little bit there. You know, um, it's, 
we'll see. I mean, you're going. You're. Are you comfortable in, in the on third and eight in the nickel with your main Pratt and Logan Wilson right now? They're going to have to be. That's just, exactly. <laughs> and it's the same way. Are you comfortable on third and eight right now with Bobby Hart or Fred Johnson uh, standing next to Xavier Suofilo and then Michael Jordan? Again, it's the these you can't fix it all in one off season, and a lot of this is proof of that. It's just like they, these are these are weaknesses that are going to they need another off season probably to really be turned into strengths or some serious development. Um. And I think that's you know you're you're we're pointing out what are coming into focus right now is what's probably going to be the the fatal flaws of the 2020 Bengals. Um, but that's not to say they have not done a lot to improve their team this offseason. I think they've done a a, a lot. Um, well, out of their 22 starters right now, if you're talking nickel on both sides, how many are new? You know, you're five five to Maybe six on half. The- yeah, I mean, you've got defenses five to six. You know, if you if you're in base, you it's six with Bynes and Wilson out there uh, on offense. Now, I mean, you're I named off the four earlier that are all being dropped in, uh, and then throw Suofilo into the mix as five. I mean, you're you it is. I mean, it's it's half half of your team is is totally new. That that's a lot of work that they've put in and I think you feel like you've improved all those positions, but um, you know, there's a lot, there's still a lot to go when you're two and 14, you know, it, you probably, you need more than that. Yeah. There's, there's no question. And maybe they, maybe they do find something here on, on day three um, with, with four picks. It's, it, it's rare. You, you don't find a lot of impact guys there. But yeah, G- Gino Atkins doesn't happen every year. No, they- they've had some success. I mean, Carl Lawson, Gino Atkins over the years, Domita Pecco, Robert Gathers, a lot of them have come from the defensive line. I will say, I mean, that it does seem to be a trend of what they've hit, and they have not addressed that yet. So, if you're looking for what would fit Bengals history, uh, maybe you're talking about Curtis Weaver out of Boise State or. You know, Bradley and I out of Utah. There's, you know, there's some of those guys um, that are out there, whoever it is that you pin. You know, I, I think here's the thing, and I'll, we'll just briefly get into because uh, the shelf life isn't going to be very long on this. You're li- you may be listening to this during the draft tomorrow um, or today. Jesus, so late. I need to end this. Uh, <laughs> uh, is I think they're very wide open now. I think net, I think they hit the the high notes they wanted to hit. They'd probably like to play the offensive line, but I don't feel like they feel they have to do. I mean, that you're like you said, what impact are they getting immediately there? I mean, at this point, you're you're still but you're buying on projection. I think they're pretty wide open to go anywhere right now, um, and I like I like them going after one of those defensive ends to plug in and hope they can be the next Lawson. I mean, you know, that type of guy that comes in sub package for a year and maybe develops um, and hope they can hit in that spot again. Yeah, you mentioned an A. He's he was a senior bowl, not just a senior bowl guy, but he was he was possessed out there. I mean, he was in the backfield every single play. And I, I think he ended up with two and a half sacks 
Um, so that that is a guy that uh, definitely caught their eye um, in in Mobile. Um, I, I still lean toward the linebacker. I, I, I you can always use though, even if you're going to start Wilson and 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 Bynes and Pratt, you're you still got guys that that can be impact guys on special teams, and and you still need depth there. They still only have five linebackers on the roster. So I, I still think that makes the most sense to to get another one and, and kind of cover your bases. If the third round one doesn't work out again, you've got a fourth one to fall back on. But yeah, after that, I could see him go any position. Um, really, anything after this is going to be when our positional rankings where you're gonna you're gonna be talking about something in the bottom half anyhow. Uh, I don't know. If it's going to be a surprise, one of those because what do we what were our bottom three? We had safety, running back, running back, and how do we have tight end all the way down there at the bottom? Tight end, I think, was down there a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're. I mean, it's 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 whatever. It's it's take it take your shot time, see what you can get. Um, you'll see an offensive lineman. You'll you'll see an edge guy. Um, you'll see, uh, you know, Calvin. You know, Calvin Throckmorton. My guy, who I think I've put in every mock in some <laughs> way, shape, or form, is a day three senior bowl who the offensive line coaches loved. Swiss Army knife makes a lot of sense. Ben Barge had a St. John's. I mean, guys, look for those guys from the South Senior Bowl team coming off on, on Saturday um, who they really got to know and felt like they have a really strong feeling on, on personality and, and getting the right type of guy to come in there. Um, and what's the special teams value? So, uh, yeah, I keep, keep an eye out for all that stuff. Do anybody, anybody else you have your eye on Jay, uh, Sunday, maybe another corner, um, pride from Notre Dame, the Darnay Holmes from UCLA was another senior bowl guy that, uh, would be an intriguing prospect there. And, and then of course I saw a lot of, mocks today that had a uh, Fairfield's Josiah Scott. I profiled him at the, at the combine. Uh, he's still out there. A uh, kid went to Michigan state and, and played well for them, had a big game against Ohio state. Uh, he, he's probably projects as more of a slot corner, but he can, he can be that plan B beyond McKenzie Alexander possibly. Cause they just signed him to a one-year deal. Yeah, we'll see where we'll see where they go, and we'll have the final wrap for you tomorrow. And then uh, on Tuesday, uh, we will have the the big draft wrap show with some uh, a number of special guests lined up. So make sure you tune into that. Uh, all, there's a million stories up on the Athletic um, uh, with all our draft coverage across the site, every team, all the college stories. You know, it's really this is one of the best parts. Is as soon as we, as soon as the pick is made, Grace Rayner, who's a, our incredible beat writer in Clemson, uh, sends over a great profile that she did of of T Higgins um, to to read more up on him. Uh, you know, you can you can find something on all of these picks or stuff there, and, and um, you know, we'll have more of that type of stuff tomorrow too. Um, and then all our all our stuff is up. We've got sort of. Um, Profiles on on what was said inside of the scouting series, what Dane Brugler said. Uh, our grades and opinions are up on all these picks, um, so you can get in there and check all that stuff out, and plenty more to come. So, anybody, I I, I need to sleep and then wake up, and and then, <laughs> and then uh, we'll see if I can speak tomorrow night because it didn't go so well tonight. I don't think. 
Yeah, I'm I'm sitting on my couch slash bed for the weekend. So just finish. Where writing will and- Raj? Where will Raj end up? Where like where? What position will Raj be in when round seven comes along? Will he <laughs> will he just be in a in a fetal tuck in his living room, or will he be under the covers? Will he be like riding his dog like one of those monkeys uh, from from halftime uh, uh, a few years back? Like what? Where are we going to end up going as Roger Goodell gets a little too comfortable uh, <laughs> reading all these picks? He never goes this far. Well, he usually taps out after a couple rounds. So yeah, yeah, he's it's the one round. He's like, oh, I got to sit, and now I got to lean <laughs> back. It's like he's going to yeah, – the last is going to be the slow motion of him smoking a cigar like Joe Burrow. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen, but people should go. I'll I'll tweet it out. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Channel 19, Joe Daneman uh, did a feature on fans' reactions to the Joe Burrow pick. And there were two people in Cincinnati that had their kids. One, I think, was eight and one was six. And they were dressed up as Joe Burrow. And they had the whole posture and the cigar smoking. They did it perfect. They were using Lincoln logs instead of cigars, acting like they were smoking. (laughs) It's, It's a terrific video. That's great. That is great. Uh, all right. More fun to come tomorrow. Thanks, everybody that's been listening along with us. We'll be back with that. And uh, hope you all have in- enjoyed everything so far. So have a good one, everybody. Get some sleep. We'll try to. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.